Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Haven't said this many times since 1999. The Cleveland Browns in a playoff game this weekend. That's right. For the third time since 99, the Browns have made the playoffs. They will play tomorrow in Houston against the Texans. 4.30 is kickoff right here on WHBC. And joining us right now to preview that matchup, as he has all season long, outstanding Browns beat reporter at brownzone.com, Scotty Petrak. Scotty, Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us once again. And uh, let's jump right into it, Scotty. The, the big news that came down yesterday was Denzel Ward coming down with a knee injury in practice. Do we have any new information on him based on either what you've heard or his Twitter post today? Uh, you know, he remains questionable on the injury report, but I think there is reason for optimism that he'll be able to go. Part of that is the Twitter feed, you know, where he had that hype video that made it seem like he's going to be okay, and then just talking to people, get the same sense. Now, I don't think anybody wants to guarantee that he's going to play, uh, right. but I think there's reason to think he will. And, Scotty, is he the only one still up in the air with a legitimate maybe chance to play tomorrow as far as injured guys? Uh, you know what, I think the other one to watch is Pierre Strong, Jr. You know, he's the third running back. He's been the kickoff returner most of the year. Uh, he took a shot to the back in the fourth quarter of that Bengals game in the finale. He was limited in practice the last couple days and questionable. So they, they elevated John Kelly, Jr., I think is an insurance policy. Uh, but he feels like the only other guy that's, you know, I, I think Juan Thornhill will play. He was also questionable. You know, he's been in and out of the lineup with that calf. Uh, I guess those are the two guys I'd watch out besides Denzel. All right, so if Strong can't return kickoffs, who handles that job? Because that's an important uh, position in a game where every play matters, Scotty. Yeah, it is. You know, I would think, I mean, it could be Kelly. He's done it in the past. It could, I would guess it would be James Prochet, the second, the punt returner. He yep. handled the job in the finale. Um, but I did think it was interesting, guys, that Bubba Ventrone, the special teams coordinator, Mentioned Jerome Ford is a candidate, and mm-hmm. usually you don't. He had started the year as the kick returner, and then Nick Chubb got hurt, and you become the number one back. They don't have you be the kickoff returner, but it is playoffs, right? It's winner go home, so maybe you do pull out the stops and go with Ford back there. Scotty, it was so weird watching the game this past weekend, and a game that was really meaningless. And the guys that didn't play, they just really didn't care. And it's uncharted territory for us. As it is, I would imagine, for the most part, for you as well. I mean, the last pandemic year in 2020, nobody was allowed to be around the team. Fans weren't allowed to be at the stadium. We went on the road, won a game in Pittsburgh. What is it like covering this team right now? A little bit more spring in their step right now with these players? Yeah, I would think for sure. There's no doubt about that, GT. And it is completely different than it was. I mean, the stakes are the same, right, mm-hmm. from 2020, but it feels different. I did not go to either of those playoff games on the road that year because there was no access to players or coaches, right? It was all Zoom, so it didn't make sense to go on the road. You know, we're still worried about traveling. I'm in Houston right now, right? Looking forward to being in a stadium that's electric tomorrow. Um, you can see, you can feel the vibe on the plane, right? There's Brown fans all over the airport on the plane. I think you guys can see where you are, right? So uh-huh. there is an electricity that 
I think it's heightened since 2020 just because um, where we were in the pandemic then. then. And this is rare, like Kenny said at the beginning of this. It's mm-hmm. rare that the Browns go to the playoffs, right? It's the third yeah. time since they've been back. So it's not like it's old hat and you have to see, oh, you know, they win one or how, you know, they got to get to the championship game or whatever. It's each playoff game to me feels precious. Scotty, do you notice a difference in Kevin Stefanski with the veteran leadership with Joe Flacco? Um, like he's a, a guy? Or Everything, or man. I don't yeah. care if it's the post-game comments, uh, when he gets the team together. I mean, it just seems to me like a little bit different, more energetic Kevin Stefanski. Yeah. I mean, I, I see that. I, I don't know if I can attribute it just to Joe Flacco. I think it's the success of this season the fact that Stefanski's having a great season, uh, I think, in every area of his job, I think that gives you confidence. It's it's easy to get excited when you win a lot of games and yeah. you make the playoffs, right? Like, mm-hmm. so I, you know, Flacco has been necessary to get this team over the hump, and I think he's instilled a ton of belief in his teammates, in the organization, in the fan base. Um, but I, I think Stefanski's personality is more based on success that he and the team are having happy to have with the outstanding browns beat reporter brownszone.com follow him on twitter at scott petrack he is scott petrack and scotty uh, i was doing a deep dive into the numbers right last in turnovers on offense but they've helped make up for that with the amount of turnovers they created on defense so I go even further into C.J. Stroud. We, we, you know, his numbers against the zone. He tears it apart against man-to-man. He's 27th uh, out of 32. So uh, let's start there, and then we'll get the Flacco's turnovers. Do you think this is a good matchup for the Browns because they play, uh, don't play zone so much, they play man-to-man? Kenny, I do. And that's one of the areas where I think it's a good matchup for the Browns. Um, Stroud's obviously a big-time quarterback, and – He's helped. He and D'Amico Ryans, the rookie coach, have turned this Texans team from dysfunctional to division champ, and it's been impressive. But those numbers matter, and the Browns play a ton of man coverage, and especially when Denzel Ward is on the field. I mean, they do it regardless. They just trust their guys, but it's better when Denzel Ward's on the field. So I think that is an advantage from a schematic standpoint for the Browns, and I think it works in reverse. When the Texans are on defense, they play a lot of zone, and Stefanski knows how to attack the zone. We saw it in that Christmas Eve matchup, right? They went yep. out and they said, we can throw on this defense. And Derek Stingley Jr. is their number one corner, and he's good. He was player, defense player of the month um, for December. But the rest of the corners aren't great. Um, it feels like you can attack them. And the question is, you know, if you've played a lot of zone for 17 games, do you switch it up in the playoffs? The answer is probably no. I trust what got you there, and I think that's a good matchup for the Browns. All right, what about Flacco? And, yes, 13 touchdown passes, 300 yards, I think, uh, in four consecutive games, but also nine turnovers throwing the football. May not all be his fault, but still, they count as interceptions, uh, and he can get loose with the football in the past, maybe not so much this year, but still, uh, your thoughts on Flacco, and do you think he dials it back a little bit to protect the football and rely on the defense, or no, Gunslinger Joe is going to go out there and go wacko for Flacco? (laughs) I think they rein it in a little bit. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, right? The Browns went deep on the first play of the game last matchup. 
And, yep. you know, it was a huge play to Amari Cooper set up a touchdown. Do they try that again? Or are you afraid, hey, Texas make an adjustment, they're sitting back, um, do they force you to run the ball? And does the fans come out and say, hey, we're going to run it and establish that and hope that sets up the pass? I, I think it's going to be an interesting chess match between coaching staffs. Uh, I do think there will be more precaution with the ball. Now, that doesn't mean Joe Flacco's not going to try to throw it in the windows because that's what he does. And that's what right. makes him good, and that's how he's thrown for 300 yards in four straight games. So I think there's a balance there. And if you throw for 300 and throw a pick, that's fine. You can live with that, right? If you go yeah. through 300, three touchdowns and a pick, that percentage is going to work for you. That ratio is going to work. Um, but we know how tight playoff games can be. We know how they can swing on one play, which has been a message all week, hammered home by defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz, that one play can change this game. So you do have to be careful if you're Joe Flacco. Now, I think he's made good decisions for the most part. I know you talk about the eight picks, but like you said, Kenny, not all of them are his fault. You know, um, one of them was when they didn't have a field goal kicker and he had to throw into that zone, right? One yeah. was kind of like a punt. They're taking a deep shot. So I'm not saying he never gets loose with the ball, but I don't think, I think for the vast majority of the time, he's made good decisions since he's been here. Scotty, what about when you look at this team offensively and their ability at times to run it and then their inability at times to run it, how do you think, based on what the stats say, pretty good run defense by Houston, but the last game uh, against uh, you know, uh, you know, the Colts, the Colts were able to yeah. run it on Houston. So where do you come out on the run game factor in this contest? Yeah, I think there needs to be a better balance, and we saw a little bit of that in the Jets game, right? They went over the Jets when the country playoffs. They ran it well, and they ran it well early after a month where they didn't have a 100-yard rushing in a game. So right. it's been spotty. Um, part of that is the injuries across the line, but now it's been the same five guys. You know, throw out the meaningless finale. It's been the five, five guys for a while now. I think that's better. I think that helps the Browns' run game. I do think the Texans' run defense is overall good. They have two big tackles. Um, when they're healthy, they have good ends. Now, their whole line is dealing with something, right? Now, they're going to play. Will they be 100%? Will they be close? Will they be as effective as they need to be? That remains to be seen. So it's going to be a challenge. I think the Browns are going to have to figure out and scheme up some runs. But we saw the Colts do that last week, like you mentioned. And to me, that should give the Browns some confidence and kind of a blueprint to, okay, this is how we attack this run defense, which ranks in the top, whatever, 10 in the league. Been a lot of fun talking Browns football all season long with Scott Petrak at brownzone.com. And it's really a lot of fun when you get to talk about 11 victories. And this week, Scott, unlike any other, I think this is the week you want to be on the road due to the weather that we're about to see and how cold it's going to be. Talk about the intangibles about playing on the road in a dome and the first game on a Saturday versus a Sunday. Yeah, the Saturday-Sunday thing, I don't know if that matters. I mean, Kevin Spansky said they were – they were glad to have the first game, eager to get it out of the way. Um, so I think there's probably something to that. Just, uh, you know, you have to sit around and wait, right? There's a lot of anticipation, and you have to deal with that. So, you know, I think they appreciate that. I don't know if it will affect the outcome at all. Um, now, indoor-outdoor is interesting, JT, because you talk about the run games. Like, I think the Browns, not that they're built for a dome, but, you know, without Nick Chubb and with some injuries across the offensive line, um, they're not the run team that they were. We just talked about it. So I think they like being where they can throw it. 
and not have to worry about the conditions. Although, you know, Flacco's arm's big enough, he can throw through a lot of stuff. But, you know, if you if you think you're the better team, I think you want conditions not to play a factor. I think we're going to see that in Buffalo, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they got a normal day. Buffalo would hammer Pittsburgh, but who knows when it's, you know, a foot of snow. So I, I think that's something. And then it's loud. It's going to be loud mm-hmm. in the snow. Um, the Browns have been pretty good about managing that. And I, I go back to the game in, San, in Seattle. Right, P.J. Walker quarterback, we know how it ended. But they had P.J. Walker quarterback, and, and I think I don't think they had a pre-snap penalty. Maybe they had one. And that really speaks to coaching and being focused and being on point. And I would assume it would be just as clean with Joe Flacco. Scotty, any benefit to playing on turf? Does this team get faster this way? Yeah, I mean, everybody gets faster on turf. Right? you got to worry about, you know, whatever injuries. But I'll tell you what, Miles Garrett likes – coming off the edge on turf. Okay. He does. Elijah Moore is quicker on turf, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, it works both ways. You know, Will Anderson and Jonathan Grenard would be faster on turf coming across, coming against those tackles of the Browns. Um, and it'll be loud, right? So you get that little delay. I mean, that's something to worry about. You talk about turnovers. Joe Flacco gets hit trying to throw a ball, right? That's how you get a bad, you know, a, un, or an interception that can turn a game. So you have to be careful about that, but um, I think a couple of the best Browns players, JOK, right, flies around when he's on turf. Scotty, my biggest concern is this is a close game, and thank goodness it's indoors, so that helps a little bit, but still it's not one of the best kickers in the league this year, Dustin Hopkins, attempting a game-winning field goal. It's Riley Peter, P- Patterson, right? R- Patterson, Okay. Um, he's one for one field goals in Cleveland this year was 15 of 17 in Detroit. Why did Detroit let him go? Why was he available for the Browns? And how do you feel uh, about him as the kicker? Yeah, I, I get that concern. Kenny. I, I do. Um, you know, it felt almost automatic with Dustin Hopkins this year, no matter where the kick was coming from, right? right. Five yards didn't matter. Um, you just don't have the same comfort level. There's no way. Kevin Stefanski has the same comfort level with Riley Patterson because uh, he just hasn't done it for him. So, yeah, you, you hope it doesn't come down to that, right? I mean, that's the bottom line. You hope it doesn't come down to a 45-yard kick to win the game because, it, to me, it would feel 50-50, you know, and that's not yep. uh, you know, that's not how you want to feel it. Now, having said that, um, Patterson kicked for the Jaguars in the playoffs last year and was 7-for-7. Seven um, field goals and extra points concluded, and kicked a 36-yard game winner to win a, to win the first-round playoff game against the Chargers. So he's been in that moment, um, and he made it. And, and that okay. you know, we talked to him this week. That gives him confidence. Um, and the reason he was out of Detroit, um, he missed a couple extra points, one extra point in two straight games. Um, in the, no, I'm sorry, one he missed. Yeah, well, he just yeah, he missed two extra points in over three game stretch with Detroit. Um, and they had another kicker all year long. So they had a guy in the practice squad, and they saw an opening, and they decided to make the switch. And I think they might have brought him back on the practice squad if the Browns hadn't had the injury to Hopkins and signed him. So I think okay. like the idea of having two guys and kind of went with the, the hot foot. All right, so there, there's a, <laughs> a change uh, at kicker there because of injury. We hope there isn't an injury to Joe Flacco, but if there is, Jeff Driscoll is the backup quarterback. Is that right? That is right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think you're trying to pick from, I don't want, you know, from the lesser two I, evils, right? Right. Um, it's interesting. I think it's an interesting decision because 
as many turnovers as P.J. Walker had, he gave you a chance to win when he was out there, right? He beat the Niners. He came back, came off the bench to beat the Colts. They should have beaten the Seahawks. Now, he turned it over a ton, was careless with the ball, throwing interceptions, fumbling, and we talked about turnovers, right? You can't have that happen. So that's probably the bottom line for this coaching staff is just, you know, he's too dangerous, and they saw enough that they're like, they can't trust him. Now, Driscoll obviously didn't look great in that finale. Um, he didn't have a lot of guys working around, and they were shuffling the offensive line. Rallies to throw a couple intercept or a couple touchdowns late to David Bell. He's got a history with Alex Van Pelt. I think there's just a bigger trust factor that, hey, if Joe Flacco gets hurt and we need a guy to finish a game, um, they like Driscoll better. Dude was only there for a week. I don't know what we expected, you know. The Bengals players were still playing for maybe their NFL career, and this guy gets thrown to the wolves, in my opinion. He can only move, get better, and obviously they're telling you right now they'd rather have Jeff Driscoll than a P.J. Walker. That's exactly right. I mean, that's that, that's what they're telling you. And, um, you know, I, I maybe we expect too much from P.J. Walker, the guy's a long-time journeyman, third, you know, he's a, open a season as a third quarterback. Um, but it's an interesting decision when you have, I mean, hopefully it doesn't come into play at all. But when you're making this kind of decision and heading into the playoffs, it just shows you how this quarterback position's been all year. Scotty, we can't look into a crystal ball and know what's going to happen with Joe Flacco in the future, but – if he wins this playoff game, maybe another one, what do you expect his contract will look like, and will somebody want to offer him a starting position next year? Um, I think he would be one of those bridge quarterbacks. You know, you draft a rookie, and you don't know if you want to play him right away, and you sign Kobe Brissett, or for years you signed Andy Dalton, right? One of those kind of guys. That's where I think he would be. I don't think – I mean, even if he won the Super Bowl this year, if you're Team X, right? right, maybe there's a handful out there. Maybe like maybe a team like Pittsburgh says, hey, go get Joe Flacco. We just saw him win a Super Bowl. We like our team, right? Wow. Or somebody in that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think more likely is he's proved uh, once again that he can still play. And I'd be stunned if he wasn't with somebody, you know, as soon as he could. You know, at some point in the offseason, signs with somebody to be their backup with the chance to be a starter. And we sat down with Joe a week ago, and we're talking about why he wasn't signed and all those things. I think we talked a little mm-hmm. bit last week. But, you know, he said he had come to grips with the fact that he was going to have to be a backup. He didn't agree with it. He still thought he could start, but he knew that he could be a backup. And I think if he's willing to tell teams that, then that broadens his market. He'll wind up somewhere. You know, did he sign a one-year, $7 million deal? You know, I think – I think backup quarterbacks are going to have a lot of value this offseason, and I think he'll be among that group. Happy to be talking Browns football with Scott Petrack. Brownzone.com is the website. If you're a Browns fan and you haven't visited, shame on you. Uh, make it one of your favorites so you get up-to-date information on a, an hourly basis, and you can get even more uh, by following him on Twitter, at Scott Petrack. So, Scotty, when you look at this matchup, Tomorrow, again, 4.30 kickoff right here on WHBC indoors. Weather not going to be a factor. How, how do you see this game going tomorrow? Yeah, I think the Browns win, Kenny. And, you know, I've done all this preview stuff, and it'll be posted to the website over the next couple of days. Like, I want matchup, I want matchup position by position, right? And I like okay. the Browns. Like, I think the Browns have edges in a bunch of these positions, you know? Um I'm not, they're not all huge edges, and you know we, we could argue about some of them. But I, and we talked earlier about the schematic matchups. Like, I think this favors the Browns. 
Now, I think the Texans will play him tougher than they did on Christmas Eve. C.J. Stroud makes a big difference. I think C.J. Stroud's going to make plays. Whether they're on schedule or off schedule, he's going to make some plays. But I think the Browns are better. I think they have enough experience. I think Joe Flacco will play well. I got the Browns 27-20. Okay. I, I like that, Scott. I like the Browns' chances here, too, because of the experience. Uh, head coach to head coach, right? Uh, defensive coordinator against a rookie quarterback who doesn't play well against man. Okay. I just, I, I'm hoping for Browns fans that the, the lead is a double digit lead and it doesn't come down to a, a Patterson field goal, right? Yeah. Where, where I'm having yeah. Cade New York flashbacks. You know what I mean? I do. And, and I think, you know, it's so hard to, we've talked about it. It's so hard to predict blowouts in this league, right? Especially mm-hmm. in the playoffs. The Texans are good. I'm not dismissing the Texans. They have the best special teams. In the league, they have the, the offensive rookie of the year. Like they have players, and they have a good coach, a good young coach, and good assistants. Right, their guys are interviewing for head coaching jobs. I just think so. I but I think this game, like I think the Browns could win this relatively easily. Like if they get a lead and get up yeah. like two scores and can unleash the dogs on C.J. Stroud and all the pressures on those guys. Like I think that it could be a comfortable win. I'm just not comfortable predicting that type yeah. of win. So that's why I'm going 27-20. Here, here's the only way I think they lose, Scott. I think the only way they lose this football game is they hit the you know forty-one turnovers for the year, right? They get three if they turn it over three times and Houston doesn't turn it over at all. I think that's the only way. If Flacco throws two picks and somebody else coughs one up, I think that's the only way because I think if they play um, error-free football in the turnover category with their defense, they'll find a way to win the game. I completely agree, right? If, if there's a pick six or a fumble return for a touchdown, right, that really changes everything yep. in a game. Um, I'm doing my three things to watch right now. Turnovers, number one. Can they block the edge rushers if the edge rushers play for Houston? And can they run the ball at all? Right? Like, if they do those three things, then I like the Browns. Like, I think they're the clear favorite. But you have to do those three things. You have to manage those areas. And if you handle those, then you should be good. All right, let me throw this your way uh, because we're having fun uh, wagering, at least I am, uh, you know, and doing some uh, parlays and individual player props and all of this, right? I can't see Amari Cooper, uh, after what he did to him the last time, 265 and two scores, having that big of a game. I think they'll pay more attention to him, maybe offer some doubles on him. Who could step up and have a big game offensively for the Browns? There's two guys. It's Najoku and Elijah Moore. And we've seen it from Najoku, especially with Flacco. He's found him. They figured out this way where they keep him in to chip and to help those tackles. And then they release him, and teams have a hard time picking him up. And he's running free. We saw it against the Jets, converting third and longs. Um, I don't think that goes away, especially if you do have the double team on Amari Cooper, right? And I think the Browns will be able to find David Najoku, then Elijah Moore, we talked about him a million times. Hasn't had the year that maybe people are expecting. It's still a solid year, right? He's got, I'm looking right now, 59 catches, 640, only two touchdowns, but 59 catches isn't bad, right? He's been there. He's made plays. He's bounced back from that concussion. Alex Van Pelt said he looked really quick at practice. He's going to be on the turf. If there's a lot of focus on Cooper and then even on Njoku, it could be Elijah Moore underneath and maybe see some of those catch and runs and big plays from him. Could we see them use him uh, in a wide receiver screen, jet sweep, uh, mix it up a little bit that way to use his speed? 
Yeah, the screen game. You know, they tried that jet sweep, and they haven't had much success with it. Um, we right. saw it as a proof run, and we saw it early, and we had it's kind of disappeared from the playbook, probably for good reason. Um, but the bubble screen, right? You could see that certainly, um, depending on what you know, depending on how the Texans go. If they go over overload one side, right, and you can get a one on one over there, I could certainly see that. Scotty, enjoy playoff football. You've earned it, uh, along with all the other reporters and media members who covered the Browns for so many years. Have fun with it, all right? Thanks, fellas. All right, there he is, Scott Petrak, live from Houston, Texas, giving us the lowdown on the Browns and the Texans tomorrow, 430, right here on WHBC.